0: Hey everyone, this is Dan, the six-figure couch surfer. Thanks for tuning in to yet another episode of this podcast. I am going to be interviewing a special friend of mine, Michelle. She is an expert singer with a phenomenal background. It's really cool. She sang opera, she sings contemporary music, and she's an expert in all things body and mind when it comes to shaping sound. Um, And so as I'm on a journey writing music and performing music... Totally different things. We'll get into it a little bit. Um, I just wanted to introduce Michelle. So Michelle, how are you? I'm
1: super nervous now. <laughs> that intro was so uh, cool. So I guess I'm giddy and I'm excited and just trying to take some deep breaths so I don't get too far ahead of myself.
0: I love it. I love that you're nervous. That was me scooting back, by the way. That wasn't anybody's assing. I'm on a stool. Uh, it's good to be nervous, and the intonation in your voice already hits a very meaningful frequency, so you're clearly a professional. Let's talk about – let's go through this. So I know you've got a baby to take care of and um, a life to get back to in sunny San Diego while I'm over here in Missouri, so I, I won't keep you too long. But – so here we go. Let's just get get into this. You sing opera. You sing yes. Italian and French? Yes, um, Italian, French.
1: I learned to also sing Hungarian, Spanish, Russian, German.
0: Okay, so what's really cool about you, Michelle, sorry to interrupt, but I do, I'll do. i try not to do that too much. I just want to introduce a real quick visual about who you are. So when I first saw you singing on stage, it was at church in San Diego at Grace Church, and you were, <laughs> so you. what you looked like to me, was a blonde southern california surfer athlete type type individual with tattoos and you were just a really like relevant to the cool scene um and Sweet. and as a singer when you opened your vocals and i heard what came out to me it didn't really match it was and then when i found out about your classical training my mind was blown I did not pin, I, I did not expect you to be somebody who sang for over a decade French opera and can you talk about just the dichotomy of your background and how that that makes you such an awesome singer and performer on stage Okay, you
1: pinpointed me as Definitely Southern California, but not a surfer. I'm originally from the desert, like the middle of nowhere desert, where I also grew up outside of the actual town that I'm from. So 12 miles outside of Joshua Tree is where I grew up, and it was a lonely life, I'll say but it forced me to explore things that I didn't maybe normally or I wouldn't normally have explored before, that being music. I would tune my radio to any station that I could find, and sometimes it would be not a classical station, but it would be a commercial to, let's say, a car that was probably on the... TV as driving through the mountains, you know, and with have classical music on in the background. And I would hear that and think, oh my gosh, okay, I wonder if I could sing like that. And I would just be alone in my bedroom with the radio on just listening to some car commercial ad and singing along to the music in the background of the ad. And so I found out that I wanted to do opera. Um, from there, I was always listening to the radio, like I said, and I would listen to country, I would listen to rock and roll, I would listen to whatever my parents were listening to, and I begged them later in life to go to school for music, and that's where the classical training comes in.
0: And over 10 years of classical training?
1: Yes, so I'm an only child, I started with piano lessons, even though I had been singing, my mom said that they gave me a little cassette tape boombox thing that I would carry around, and I was singing before I was talking and would just have that, my little tape deck, that I would have my nursery rhymes and whatnot. And then I remember getting a karaoke machine for Christmas one year. That was super cool because it had double microphones and Double tape deck recorders so I could not only record music off the radio onto the tape deck, but then I could play that tape later and play another tape and record, like we're doing now, like a radio show on these tape decks. And I would sing onto the tape over the tape decks, or like, you know, have a, a radio show. And I'd have my cousins, I would interview them on the radio, I'd turn on the echo, I'd turn on, you know. A, bit of a reverb I could do on the karaoke machine and so yeah I was always interested in music and definitely living out in the middle of nowhere had a lot of opportunity to mess around with music trying to tie this all back together uh, <laughs> was given piano lessons didn't really care for those learned that the old lady I was taking from She also taught voice lessons, and so I said, well, I love to sing. I didn't know that you could be taught to sing. I thought it was just something that you did, and so then I started singing, and one of her students went to boarding school, and I said, ooh, I want to go to boarding school. That sounds cool, boarding school. And so I begged to go to boarding school. And at 16, I had to write an essay to my dad, not only to, you know, the school I was trying to get into, but had to convince my parents to let me leave at 16 and went to Idlewild Arts Academy. And that's where I had to learn my first Italian song. And I had to learn, uh, I had to memorize it. So I had to learn three songs one in a foreign language. Uh, let I'll give you the really quick timeline because, you know, you mentioned me at church. So I was not a Christian. I am now a Christian. But this is how fast God usually works in my life. Um, I learned about this school, and they were still accepting applications, and school started in three weeks. So I got my stuff together. I started at Yucca Valley High School on a Wednesday. My audition for Idlewild was on Friday on that Monday following the Friday we heard that I was accepted Tuesday we were in limbo about financial aid and then Wednesday was called and said financial aid worked out signed out of school that day and then two weeks later moved up to Idlewild where I started training at
0: 16. That is awesome that is I love it, and you're doing great okay, with the I interview. I know that was like a really now rapid trail roundabout it's good. way, but... <laughs> it's good. So well, well, the beautiful part about how I interview and how a lot of podcasts... I learned this from podcasts that I listen to. It's organic, and it just flows. So here it, it connects. Um, so the way that you shape sound was incredible, and I know that you taught me about belly breaths and all of that, and your classical training, how much time and commitment you've put in to what you've learned. In all these different languages, obviously the language of singing you taught me was very primal and very vulnerable. And the way that you sing, um, you had said was sort of boxed in to an extent when it came to the formality of your classical training. But when it came to songwriting, it's okay to not be super trained up because as I fiddle with my vocals – to try to get anywhere close to what somebody at your level is at, which is insanely great. It's amazing how you sing. For me to even aspire to that mechanically, what you're saying to me when I was training with you was, don't force yourself to try to mimic my sound. Because you're saying your classical training put you at a level, but in sort of a predictable way because you you follow the rules. You follow them amazingly, but you follow rules. And you encouraged me to have this almost – what I like to think of as divergent thinking or just sort of break the rules. Don't know the rules. Sing, emote, get it out. But what was cool is you reached into my level of naivety in singing and you said, look, don't worry about all the rules that I know, but let me teach you the basics on how to shape sound, how to start at your gut level, literally your diaphragm, squeeze Uh down there in the right way, And I have no idea that there's a series of muscles, musculature from the guts up to the chest, up to the throat, to the neck, then the jaws, the cheeks, the face, and then there's that head, mid, and chest voice. There's so much to the physics of sound. And one of the coolest things that you taught me, that you did, now I'm not able to do it yet, I'm working on it, I'm working on it, but um, I mean, it's a lifelong journey, but you shape sound as an opera singer into an auditorium based on the textures, the size of the room, how to deflect sound and reflect it, but then also, if you're singing into a microphone, you will then Mm -hmm. shape the sound to your teeth as you get up to the mic, because then the mic carries the sound to the audience. So, you're basically dealing with sound wave physics as a singer who's engaging an audience performing on stage, and that's mind-blowing. It's a lot of science. (laughs) Yeah, and you explained it quite well pretty much with an opera that that classical training you are creating the megaphone
1: essentially with your your mouth you know if you want to picture get that visualization in your head starting very in the very back where that little uh, I wish I was using the right
0: terminology. Is it the uvula? The uvula? Yeah. I forget. Yeah. Okay, okay, good. I'm glad you said it at the right time at the same time. Uh, so yeah, and,
1: and you can't see me right now, but I have my finger hanging in front of my face and it's dangling and back <laughs> and forth, kind of like the English-ish. That, yeah. So starting back there, you want to kind of create you know, that dome that we talked about and essentially shape your mouth, moving your tongue down and out of the way, getting your teeth, your mouth, your lips open, and just making that big megaphone shape essentially with what you're given in your head. So um, then once you have kind of played around with that, then you start filling it with that sound that you're talking about, which starts way down in the gut. You can even, you know, right now, I'm talking in my chest voice. That's usually the voice all of us talk in. And then you think of, I think, the iconic Julia Child. Oh, the lady who, you know, always speaks like this. And then you're in your head voice. And then you have this lovely voice that takes a lot of strain <laughs> off of that chest voice and you know you're just not so tired sounding anymore you sound a little funny but the more you talk like this and play around like this then you're going to find that you can just do a lot of different things
0: to shape your voice to try and you know take take that edge take that strain but a lot of people they like to sing through this chest voice they like to sing through that mid-range and you have to find What works for you, but what's also not going to damage your voice in the long run? How long do you want to sing? The way you taught me, so being that music is so primal and so vulnerable, one of the coolest things you told me was when I I, I started sweating and apologizing to you about how I sounded, that I was not hitting notes or I was too loud and abrasive with my voice. I was hitting the gas and the brakes at the same time. I didn't (laughs) know how to structure it all. And you said, don't apologize. Now you had said you understood you've gone through this yourself and you said it very graciously, but you, what you had told me was don't care about the neighbors and what they think. If you don't get, if you don't get loud, you're not going to sing. So you either sing or you don't, but yeah. you had said, be unapologetic with that, have that audacity to sing. And what I realized as somebody who's I've struggled with anxiety, I, as I do jujitsu and I do rock climbing and I surf and all of that, I realized if I'm not breathing appropriately, I am going to burn out. My grip's going to fall off those rocks. Um, I'm going to be under the waves and panic as the next set hits me over and over and I tumble. In jiu-jitsu, I'm going to tap out early because I can't get that, breath- that deep rhythmic breathing cadence while somebody is smothering me. And I'm not going to last in the match. And as I sing and I perform and I try to sing in front of others, if I have that higher breath, that anxiety breath in the upper chest and not that deep belly breath, I will not engage my diaphragm and sort of Yeah, you're not grounded. I won't squeeze that accordion. And so I just wanted to just word vomit on you and let you know that what you taught me about singing and grounding my lower lumbar, my lower spine on the ground was something I use in jujitsu. It's something I think about um, basically in all physical activity, it's relevant. And that was so cool. But the biggest part was the primal vulnerability of singing and how that ties into breath.
1: Yeah, that took me many years to learn. Like I said, you know, I will be the first to tell you I cried in I would say 85% of all my lessons that I ever took. And my lessons started, you know, before I went to, to high school for, <laughs> for lessons, you know, piano lessons, me trying guitar lessons, all of that. And that's because I was always afraid to be to stand out, to not uh, to not get it right the first time. But then I also wouldn't dedicate time to practice and set time aside because I wanted it just to be easy and to come naturally. I didn't realize that breathing came naturally to me because I was also a swimmer. I did competitive swimming and I started that when I was seven years old. So I'd had the lungs kind of being built for me so it came easy for me once those lessons did start to say, okay, you need to breathe deep. And I thought, dang, I can hold my breath for a long time. And this really helps as far as the control of a phrase goes or you know how long I can hold out one particular note before needing to take another sip of air and then go for another long phrase. And that kind of also plays into what type of singer you are capable of being too. You know, how long you can hold your breath, how long that support can last and what it can move you through. Uh, And then if you're trying so hard just to get any sound out, you're wasting all that energy where if we're trying to say, hey, let's pull back a little bit, that's something that's always easier to work with. It's pulling back
0: rather than trying to pull more out. What what you you just said was massively triggering for me because it forced me to i i have to admit what my range is and i so don't want to admit that and it's such a deep struggle for me but i i deeply reflect on what you just said often when i sing my range i respect my limits and don't force sound where sound shouldn't be
1: yeah you don't want to force it and you want it i would say you know and i always try to Look at your own body and your own limits. I have to think of that also. So the yawn, again, if you just were just naturally feeling tired, stretch your arms back, everything is just stretching out, and you yawn and you add some sound to that yawn, wherever that sound comfortably lands, that's probably going to be your highest range, I would say, because I can do a siren, a pretty loud siren through that yawn, and it's comfortable I'm not ever like screeching straining and I
0: I wish I could explain what a siren is but I don't want to be doing that also <laughs> <laughs> um, people would be like what the heck but it's pretty much you know starting if you're going to do a visual again go
1: ahead bend down touch your toes think of the lowest note in your register and as you slowly roll your body up and slowly stretch your arms wide up to the sky and let your arms fall over to the side if you were to mimic a natural yawn with adding sounds to all of that at your very top peak, which would be your Y, you know, if you're like the, who are those, the YMCA people, you know, men at work, women who gets that Y, that should be the most natural part of your yawn, and generally speaking, the highest note, I would say, naturally you could get. If you're going to play around, go back on into that park that you were talking about, jamming in, be a crazy person in the park, practice your yawning.
0: Why does music make people, the performer, feel naked?
1: I think because you it's just you. You don't have a piano, you don't have a guitar, you don't have this instrument that you're holding in front of you, it's just yourself. I mean, adding another thing to yourself, whether it be a piano or a guitar or whatever else to accompany you, I'm sure that that's another layer of vulnerability, but when it's just you, you know... Not a lot of people have access to tuning equipment and things that will change how they sound. So generally speaking, what you see is what you get. And not everybody likes who they are. And so if you already don't believe in yourself, it's hard to believe in the sound that comes out of you too. And that's something that I have still struggled still to this day struggle with
0: which is insane because I feel like you can shatter glass with the notes that you hit that that resounding the vibration as you just oh man at some point we're going to have to get a sample of that Um, do you still get nervous when you perform
1: I do I get really nervous
0: how do you use that Uh, (laughs) how do you use that anxiety what's your advice
1: my advice is to know your music always be prepared whether you know it's something like I, to, this morning I was going to walk down to the donut shop and I don't have money to give but I have my voice and I'm just going to sing them a little song for and thank them for making amazing donuts, and I was going to bring my guitar, and I was thinking about our interview today, and I was like, dude, Dan told me, you know, that I told him to just sing unapologetically, and that's what I'm going to do with my guitar, because if I don't start playing outside of my home, then I'm not going to be able to play, you know in front of a church, I'm not going to be able to do these different things that I want to do, and so I guess to tie in my nervousness, you really just have to go for it, take those, that that breath, that deep breath you're talking about, not just like mm-hmm. lifting up my, my shoulders just to, you know, fill a bit of space, but really breathing it all out. And taking in that deep breath that's into your gut, that's filling your feet, filling your shoes, and saying, okay, I have this gift, I have this talent, I have this at least little teeny tiny spark in me to want to do it. Other people, they're going to hear it, and guess what? They're going to remember what sounded good. They're not going to remember what sounded bad. Only you're going to remember what sounds bad, because you, with everything, are your own worst critic. You know, people could be totally in love with themselves, but they're only, well, I don't know where we're going with that, but I would think they're totally in love and obsessed with themselves because they haven't yet perfected what they, you know, see. Mm -hmm. So they're still striving for that perfection. So we see these beautiful, beautiful creatures, but they don't see that, you know. I struggle with body image. People see this beautiful person, but I'm I'm struggling, you know, I don't see what people see, and so I think music helps with that too, you know, I know that sometimes I can sound really good, and I think I like the validation that that brings, but I'll tell you, it's humbling singing for a church, (laughs) you know, I went into opera thinking that yeah, I want to do this, because when you're an opera diva, it's all about you. You're the center of attention. Everyone wants to hear you. Everyone wants to see you. But then I had a very humbling life experience and learned that the world does not revolve around me, does not revolve around me as the diva, and I wanted to try and use my voice you know, for something different. And to now shape it for a Sunday morning and let the microphone do most of the work, and then also not to really get any recognition, that's hard. You know, that's been the identity crisis that I've been struggling with. It's like, okay, I know that I have this talent, I know that I have this gift that I want to use, I'm a human, you know? And we have that sinful nature, and I want to be recognized for my gifts. I want to be recognized for my talents. And I think this is the, like, one of the first things, you know, in a long time that that someone's...
0: recognized in me so thanks yeah absolutely and i'm blown away at how i mean i appreciate the vulnerability and the honesty but i mean your voice is out of this world great and it's um it's impressive to me to to see how somebody could struggle with acknowledging that um not just impressive i don't want to say it's impressive i want to say that it's it resounds deeply with me because i'm on a journey where um as I write, as I songwrite, I, and I, I struggle with things like everyone. We all have this journey in life where there's a lot of things we all personally struggle with that we don't share. And I try to lean into that with music, but I fear it. I fear leaning into it, into the the darkness, into the part that's not polished, not clean, not pretty, not um, what seems inappropriate almost that I should have these struggles or I should have these, this place in my heart that, uh, the only thing I can see reaching down there is music. There are, um, there are frequencies that Perlman will play on, on his violin where when it, it, it just – it cracks a wall open. Where When Enya sings, I can just right. – there's those sounds that come out that don't have words. There are sounds that just reach into a place where I think, man, if I could harness that and I could figure out how to wrap my voice around – Something to that extent, I can pull out what I'm struggling with. Then songwrite, which is a whole nother interview, a whole nother deal. But to put words then to those frequencies and just hold and sustain that element in my life yeah. Yeah. And, and struggle with it through sound, I, that's how deep I'm trying to get with music. And what you taught me was it all starts with the body. It all starts with grounding. But you also taught me it is a full head-to-toe engagement. This is not a cute little, simple well, little yeah, bit of yeah, you breath. wonder
1: where those sounds, you know, they embody those sounds because you have to look at the context that the sound is within, too, because I'm sure that they're just not pulling it out of thin air. You know, all of music, all of it speaks to you, so you have to see, you know, what is it that has led into that sound,
0: I think it being full body is also it encompasses whatever that person has gone through in life just to get to that one specific spot in life to make that specific sound. There's so much of a lack of inhibition there, a dismissal of inhibition, a whole a rebellion against it. Again, it's audacious. Singing is audacious at that level where there's it's it's unapologetic, it's brave, it's courageous, it's honest, it's vulnerable. And sure, it's marketable. At some point, it's marketable. People want to pay money to hear that. And people want to go commercial and all of that. I totally get it. But there's this deep, deep nakedness to it, a vulnerability and honesty that is so on the songwriting side of things, on the orchestrating. It's, it's just from the soul. I mean, I don't know how else to explain it. It's this deep consciousness or subconscious state of, of just crying out in sound attention that's within Well,
1: yeah, you listen, you know, I can hear my baby (laughs) right now making sound. And they all has different meanings and different tones. And even from when we were very, very young, first born, we're making these sounds and these different pitches. And it's always melodic.
0: I, uh... As always, when I talk to you, I have a deep appreciation for the struggle of, of singing for on my end, the struggle to tackle this beast, to get into it and be honest in it. That's the hard part. It's so easy to karaoke and want to be someone else. It's so easy for me to try to, to sing like Jason Mraz or try to sing like Eminem or emulate whoever else, 21 pilots, Ed Sheeran, Justin Bieber, Johnny cash, Zach Brown, all these people in my heart and soul, third eye blind, red hot chili peppers. There's so many bands, so many people that I want to be like. Um, but I, I, I don't, I don't have their texture. Um, I don't have a glassy texture. I have a smoky sound. I have a raspy voice. I don't have a, um, a high falsetto. I can't hit those clean high pitched sounds that the radio pop world is is so um centered around and so but that's not my story either i have a story and how do i put that sound to story to how do i marry the two and bring something that helps other people in a journey in a struggle to be introspective to have sort of um uh, a friend next to them as they personally reflect that's my goal with sound um That's why I love rap because in rap, you can get so much more data per second downloaded into someone's brain. But then also there's – you just sustain one note for a while and see what walls just completely come shattering down in somebody's life. Um, And Again, these are all things that as I reflect, I, I think about laying down flat in front of you as you told me how to breathe. You told mm-hmm. me about biting the apple, getting the two front mm-hmm. teeth in that apple to shape sound into the microphone. Yes. There's so many things you taught me that I reflect on, um, and we don't have to. We're at about thirty minutes now, so we don't have to continue. We, i go for hours talking to you about this. Um, definitely want to have you on again, but um, yeah, we could do a second part for sure, or maybe eight different parts. There's there's part. <sighs> there's so many avenues we can go down. But I Just really like appreciate. Together. Yeah, yeah, no i I love this, and um. Thank you for what you taught me and for bearing your, who you are, your story as you sing. Um, it's cool. You're leading by example and I hope you do busk, Thanks, busk all around town and just <laughs> blow people's minds. It's cool. Well,
1: my friend Patty, she's headed over right now and we're, we're going to play around and hopefully my guitar playing gets a little better and I'll send you some clips.
0: Well, I, I want to let you know I found a guitarist and a bassist out here. Oh, he plays all these instruments. So he's creating some bass lines for me on some guitar riffs I wrote. And uh, I'm going to send you some songs. And if you want to jump on a couple of them, it'd be rad. Yes, that'd
1: be cool.
0: Yeah. For sure. Thanks for being a part of this conversation. And uh, I will outro the podcast. Then you and I could talk for a couple couple more minutes. I know you've got to get back to life. Yeah, that's right. That was Michelle on the podcast, everyone. Thanks for tuning in and uh, stay tuned for the next podcast.